With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Lutheran Hour. Bringing Christ to the nations. Water is a theme that flows through St. John's Gospel. Today, hear how Jesus brings living water to those who are spiritually thirsty. For every harrowingly dry valley of death you are walking through today, Jesus will be your water of life. I invite you to drink from this well that can never run dry. Taste this abundant life that begins right here and right now and will satisfy you every day you live into eternity. Our guest speaker is Dr. John Nunes, today on The Lutheran Hour. Hi, this is Mark Eicher. Glad to be with you once again and grateful for your faithful support. To learn how your gifts and prayers help to bring Christ to the nations and the nations to the church, go to LutheranHour.org. The Reverend Dr. John Nunes is a pastor of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, currently serving in Southern California. Now with a message titled, Thirsting for Life, here is Dr. Nunes. She did not need any therapist to help her see how she was feeling. She did not need to take any personal inventory to know something was missing. She was spiritually dehydrated, socially isolated. Something was missing, achingly remiss. She was suffering from an unquenchable thirst inside a flood of guilt until she met this man, this pilgrim traveler from another religion, race, and place. David Brooks, writing in the New York Times, speaks to the rising tide of negativity and unhappiness in our world. Brooks goes on to suggest that most people, especially politicians, who are, of course, people too, equate happiness with material or money-based success. This is a fiction and a falsehood. The haves are as unhappy as the economic have-nots. You can arrive at the top of the hill of life and realize you're standing alone, lonely and unfulfilled. There's still a missing ingredient. You own a house but have no home. Something is missing. Like a tune without a tone. Ice cream without a cone. A SIM card without a phone. A building with no cornerstone. Something is missing. One thing that is not missing from John's gospel is the presence of water. The theologian Reed Lessing showed me something in the book of John that you cannot unsee once you see it. The way in which water flows thematically through the first seven chapters of that fourth gospel. In John 1, that fiery field preacher comes blazing from the wilderness into Bethany to the Jordan River, pointing to the Lamb of God he says in verses 31 and 33, I came baptizing with water, 
that Jesus might be revealed. He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is Jesus who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Water is life. In John 2, this same Jesus to whom John pointed goes to a wedding reception where they run out of drinks. But before the party gets wrecked, as his first sign, Jesus, upon the prompting of his mother, Mary, miraculously saves the day by turning water into wine, a most excellent wine, mind you. Water restores the life of this party. In John 3, Jesus meets a nervous Nicodemus at night. Some call this Nick at night. Under the cover of darkness, this top-ranking Pharisee comes to see the truth about the one who is the light of the world. For years, he had sensed something missing in the sacrificial rites of his religiosity, and he's come looking for more. Have you sensed something missing in your life? Jesus tells you and him that we need look no further. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Water is life to be born again, to be born brand new, to be born from above, embraced by a God of love, to be reborn for the new start you're looking for in your life. Let's skip John 4, which is our text, and we're going to come back to it near the end of this message. But John 5, Jesus goes to a pity party beside the pool of Bethesda, where a man for 38 long years had lingered sick and learned to whine well about his lack of opportunity. He was putting his hope in some magical water. The myth was, if you could get into the water when it was bubbling up, you'd somehow be healed. But everybody else, griped the man, steps over me, and nobody will help me. So Jesus, the ultimate hope dealer, challenges this man's mindset. Do you even want to be made well? And the man picked up his mat and put down his excuses and walked. The disabled man was enabled by the one who is the water of life, the one who works better than any magical, miracle water. Then John 6, you remember Moses, who led a freedom march through the water when old Pharaoh was compelled to let God's people go, and through the Red Sea, God's people were set free. As we make our way through Lent, the long Lenten season towards the empty tomb, from the seeming loss of Jesus on the cross to the glorious, victorious resurrection. I'm looking forward to the Easter vigil, where we will hear these words from Exodus 15:1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider. He has thrown into the sea victory in water as the people walk on dry land towards the promised land. Like the hymn in the Lutheran service book, which says, We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading a path 
through the blood of the slaughtered. But in John 6 here, Jesus doesn't walk through the water divided by the divine. Jesus walks on top of the water, demonstrating his divine nature as the almighty Lord of wind and wave and sea and all nature. And since then, nobody has even attempted to repeat that miracle. Water skiers? Not really. And then John 7, on the last day of the big festival, after seven days of celebrating, seven days of eating, drinking, and making merry, seven days of worship and fellowship, Jesus stands up in the middle of the temple and boldly proclaims, if anyone is thirsty, if there's something missing in your life, something wrong at the level of your soul, believe in me and all things will be made right. I will be your fountain of life. Abundant life for all who are drowning in a rising tide of negativity and unhappiness. Sisters and brothers, I've tried this Jesus. I've trusted him, and he's never failed me, even though I have failed him so many times. But thanks be to God. Forgiveness is his business. I invite you to drink of this life-giving forgiving water of life named Jesus. He is your savior and your suffering servant who literally would wash your feet to show you how much he loves you, who literally did die for you. Biologists will tell you that 60% of the human body is constituted of water. Geographers know that 71% of the earth's surface is covered by water. Humanitarian workers with organizations like Lutheran World Relief are concerned that there are many places on the planet experiencing a crisis of access to safe, drinkable water. Some predict that the wars of the future may be fought over water. Water is life, and a lack of water can be deadly, can be death. Dietitians inform us that to be thirsty is a warning. It's the body's way of telling you you're dehydrated, perhaps from not enough water or maybe from too much spicy or salty food. Water is a symbol of life. And John threads this point through his gospel. For every harrowingly dry valley of death you are walking through today, for every sin-parched episode of life you're clawing to recover from, Jesus will be your water of life. Here in our reading from John 4, Jesus decides to take a road through what many among the upright crowd considered a downright wrong neighborhood, Samaria. En route, he meets a woman at a well who came from a different and despised ethnic group. She eked out her life on the wrong side of the tracks. On top of that, she had a shameful marital track record. And you can imagine how she got hit by a train of gossip as she tried desperately to cross back to respectability, ostracized, excluded, marginalized by her gender, by her race, by her religion, by her social status. She was much married, much marred, and much maligned. She was much married. She had five former husbands to show for it. 
And because of this, she was much marred by the scandalous sin she was in, five times divorced and cohabitating with a husband who wasn't her own, trying to fill the gap for what was missing in her life. She was looking for love in all the wrong places and found betrayal upon betrayal, failure upon failure. As Joseph Sittler once wisely wrote, what is bitter about our need for the truth is simply that if we fall for an untruth about love, we are built up for a letdown. If men and women, for instance, are encouraged to believe that in the hot furnace of loving personal relations, ultimate redemption can be found, several bitter things occur. They write two large checks for one another. They frantically turn to love to deliver a redemption it was never intended to supply. They eat one another up instead of building one another up. The entire weight of personal life is on a single hook, and when the hook pulls out, they are bitter. The hook of disappointment was pulled out multiple times for this woman. You can be sure, human beings being who humans are, that the bitterness was widespread, that this woman was also much maligned, talked about by the other people in her village, which is why she came to the community well when no one else from the community was there. At the least popular time of day, during the scorching noonday heat, because of all of this, she was more than a little bit defensive when she met Jesus. Jesus, the traveler, approaches her and takes an interest in her, not in some salacious or sexual way, but in a manner that grabs her attention and her heart, that reaches into her solitary confinement of sin, that touches her loneliness, her emptiness, her sinfulness with refreshing words that offer a pathway to forgiveness and wholeness and happiness. And this same Jesus deeply desires to reach every one of us hearing his words today. John chapter 4, verse 14 Whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Do you need this wellness that wells up to eternal life? I certainly do. If you also thought to yourself, yes, I need this, I invite you to drink from this well that can never run dry. Taste this abundant life that begins right here and right now and will satisfy you every day you live into eternity. The woman drank. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Her life was changed. Her priorities were rearranged. 
Her dignity was restored. Her sin was forgiven. And so is ours by Jesus, the water of life, sparkling with life, vitamin infused with the salvation that we need. Let's look at the final water reference in John's gospel. Chapter 19, verse 34. In order to give us life, Jesus is nailed and tied to a tree. In the most degrading death that the colonial Roman military could devise. And the gospel writer notes that in the process, there was a soldier stabbing Jesus with a sword near his ribs, his chest cavity. And when that happened, water flowed as Jesus loves us to death, loves us with his dying breath. From the first chapter of the Bible in Genesis, when the Spirit is hovering over the waters, to the last chapter of the Bible in Revelation, the Holy Spirit tells us, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That's what we need. That's what's missing in your life and mine. That's the love we've thirsted for. That's the truth which sets us free. That's the life which overcomes death. That's the name in which we are baptized. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to The Lutheran Hour. For free online resources, archived audio, our mobile app, and more, go to lutheranhour.org. The spiritually thirsty woman at the well received living water through the words Jesus spoke. Jesus' voice speaks to us today through his word, as we hear in this hymn. The melody is by the late church musician, educator, and hymn writer, Amanda Husberg.
Joining us now, here's Lutheran Hour speaker, Dr. Michael Ziegler. Hello, Mark. I had not noticed St. John's recurring theme of water, so once again, thanks to Dr. Nunes and also to Dr. Reed Lessing for bringing that to our attention. We talked last week about how John uses symbolism in his account of the life of Jesus. And again, by symbolism, we're not saying that this is a fictitious story. John is telling us of real persons, real places, encounters, conversations, things that actually happened. But he's telling us the story in a way that shows us that these particular things that happened long ago in ancient Israel in a tiny little corner of the world, these particular things have universal meaning and application for all people everywhere for all times And a method that John uses to show us this is symbolism. So John's story stands for itself. It's a report of historical events, but you're saying it's more than that. Correct. A book that I found helpful on this topic is titled Symbolism in the Fourth Gospel. John is the fourth gospel. It's by Craig Kester. That's spelled K-O-E-S-T-E-R. Kester says that a symbol is something that also stands for something else. And John has many symbols in his book. You just think about it. If you're familiar with the story, you've got the the sacrificial lamb, the shepherd, grapevine, door, road or way, bread. Uh, the serpent raised up in the wilderness. Right. It's last week in, the, in John 3 and uh, the one that Dr. Nunes mentioned today, the main theme of water. So the thing about all these symbols to remember is that they that they're there to help us know something about Jesus, who he is and why he matters. And how does water stand for Jesus? All right, good question. So Dr. Nunes had some memorable lines in the sermon. I just love how he poetically puts things. So, But he said, water is life. Water is rebirth. Think about water's cleansing. We're going to get to John 9. The man is going to be, he's going to go to the pool and wash and be mm-hmm. cleansed and, mm-hmm. and see the other thing about it, though, it's and paradoxically, water is dangerous. If you've ever been in a flood, uh, if you've ever known someone who's drowned, mm. water is destructive. Water, like Dr. Nunes said in the sermon, it's what destroyed the army of Pharaoh that was hunting down God's people, trying to re-enslave them. So water is judgment, it's chaos, it's devastation. It brings life, but also brings death. And like Dr. Nunes said, Water is what Jesus alone can walk on. (laughs) So he's Lord of the water, the symbol. He's more than the symbol. He's the one who can overcome this. He's, He's the one that life, that water flows out of his side when he's crucified. Water stands for Jesus. To answer your question, maybe a simple way to say it is that he's essential. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And for those with faith, for those with eyes to see, his words give what water gives, life and rebirth and cleansing and refreshment. But for those who reject him or ignore him, his word brings death and judgment. Now, it's also interesting how these symbols are all drawn from everyday life. Things like bread, water, Mm -hmm. light, doors. Uh, maybe not so much today, but certainly at that time and place, sheep and shepherds and vineyards, those would all be common sights for people. Yeah, Craig Kester, in the book that I mentioned, The Symbolism in the Fourth Gospel, he he notes that point, that all of these symbols of John that are used in the narrative are, are ultimately, that, that Jesus is using in his teaching, they're all part of the fabric of everyday life. And Jesus is pointing to and talking about ordinary things in the world, staples, common features of life, 
using them to make himself known and to make God his father known. And he can use things in the world like this, not just because he's a good teacher and and a good illustrator, you know, object lessons. It's because he's the creator. (laughs) That's why he, that's why they testify of him. All things were made through him and for him. And so what John is helping us see is that when we, when we look at the world with eyes of faith in Jesus, everything testifies to him. Everything praises him. Everything points back to him. Even a terrible death on the cross points back to him. And like water, he is essential. Yeah, there's no life without him. That's what John is trying to tell us through and through. That's why he writes this book about Jesus. He makes his motivations very clear. (laughs) These things are written so that you would believe, so that you would trust, so that you would know him, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and knowing him have life in his name. And so I encourage you, as you're listening, if you've never read or listened to an audio recording of the Gospel of John from start to finish, or if it's been more than a year, then you've done so, I encourage you to do that this week. Give yourself say, two and a half hours, sit down, read it, or hear it read from beginning to end, and listen for all the symbolism, and then see the world around you today for all its signs and symbols, and how all of these things turn you back to Jesus. Come by Jesus and trusting in his promises, we're bold to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day 
our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. The Lutheran Hour is brought to you each week through the support of our faithful listeners. We rely on your prayers and gifts. To learn how you can support and extend the worldwide outreach of the Lutheran Hour, go to lutheranhour.org. And join us next week when Dr. Ziegler says God doesn't want to give us what we deserve because he'd rather give us what Jesus deserves. This has been a presentation of Lutheran Hour Ministries. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.